doesn't matter if this is paid or volunteer. It is 100% on the member itself. If you don't have drive, and I use these words, it's one word, care. If you do not care about yourself or others, then the fire service is not for you. You're not, you're not in it for the right reasons. We don't talk about the individual much. You know, we complain a lot about the individual, but we don't talk about the traits and characteristics that we need in these people coming in. Care is a word that's not, you know how many guys don't talk about care like that word? I don't no. know if we've ever discussed it on this platform. No. <laughs> it's a fantastic word. Honestly, it's a, it's a very small, simple word, but it means so much. Um, Agreed. You know, you care about yourself. You care about doing what's right. You care about the individuals around you and everything else is going to fall into place once you once you take the word care out or you are not um basically attached to it with with emotion and and um and the ability to give it a hundred percent all the time then it's time to maybe sit back and reconsider is this the right thing for me you you really need to give it your your all um and sometimes and, and again in the volunteer house you walk in, it, you might be on the fence. You might not know, is this the right thing for me? Right. Maybe I want to try this thing out. Maybe I realize it isn't the right thing for me. Or maybe you realize, I love this shit. I want to stay in this, and I want to continue to grow with it. And who knows where it goes from there. Hey everybody, this is Rob from National Fire Radio. We have a pretty cool episode tonight, and it's a little bit personal to me, guys. I think it's kind of like a homecoming. But uh, I got John Stern and uh, Brian Soller. I want to introduce both of them. Um, for me, like I was actually a very young volunteer when I got to meet both of these guys in uh, kind of their up-and-coming prime. Uh, John is a paramedic with Mobile Medic who had an ambition to become a career firefighter and kind of gave me the, uh, the ambition and drive to seek out my career. And then I got to watch Brian as a uh, fire chief when he was with the village of Monticello and kind of watch him come up through the ranks and just work calls with him. Cause at the time I was working for an ambulance company in Monticello. And it was just a great to kind of see these two guys and have positive role models in the fire service. And now they're here uh, and they're, they're both uh, doing a little bit thing. So uh, John, why don't we start with you kind of where you're from and, and we'll go down, go from there. All right, uh, John Stern, uh, originally from Rock Hill, New York, uh, Sullivan County, which is about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes northwest uh, of uh, Manhattan. Um, started really when I was 16 years old. Uh, in um, 1993, I walked into the Rock Hill uh, Volunteer Firehouse, and uh, I actually went there with my parents and filled out an application. Both my parents thought that this was going to be a uh, – a very um, short-lived thing, and uh, and now it's a career for me. So it's uh, it's kind of it's odd to to think in 1993 to where we are now in 2020 that it's lasted this long. But I'm very proud and happy um, that I went down this career path. Um, currently living in Northern Virginia, uh, I work for um, uh, Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department, which is a, a suburb of Washington D.C approximately five to eight miles outside of the district um, and uh, lieutenant with the fire department there. I'm, I'm uh, pretty excited to be on here. I'm honored to be on here and uh, uh, discuss where I am today, where I was back then, and uh, hopefully where I'm going in the future. 
So. Awesome. Thanks, John. And Brian, yourself? Well, so very similar to John, um, a few years earlier, uh, 1990, uh, I walked into the Monticello Firehouse about five miles up the road from Rock Hill and became a volunteer firefighter. Um, no immediate family with fire service background. My, my grandfather was a um, founding member in a, in a company in the county. Um, I really did not get to know my grandfather as a, as a child growing up, so I really didn't even know about that history. Um, you know, worked my way through, through the ranks there, uh, became the chief in uh, 2001, 2001, 2002. Um, that's a combination department. Um, in 2011, I uh, decided to make a change and I joined uh, Rock Hill where John started his career and, and was an assistant chief at, at one time. And um, I'm currently the chief of that department. So uh, I've had a great career, a lot of fun. I also, uh, I also teach out at the County Fire Training Center and um, it's another job that I just love doing and uh you know thinking about it 30 years has passed uh, just hard to believe yeah i was gonna say that i mean you know john brought up 1993 and i'm like finally a younger older guy than me right because i started in 95 um and so on looking at you guys i look like hell you guys look <laughs> i know older. we really gotta work <laughs> out hey rob thanks for the intro on the podcast by the way appreciate it pal no problem yeah, so Jeremy's so out to everybody. He's still here. <laughs> Anybody's so missing him. I think – no, never, never. Ryan, I think one thing, too, you know, about your past and, and where you are today, but also I think it's important to mention the, the professional volunteer, right? So, please. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so uh, this year I started a, a podcast called The Professional Volunteer. And, um, you know, one of the things that has been – driven into me throughout my career is that, you know, even though I'm not on the job, I'm, I'm not getting paid to do what I do, that I need to do it to the best of my ability. And it doesn't matter that I'm not getting a paycheck. And, and I've always, I've always preached that uh, to my firefighters and my members. And, you know, if I'm out at the training center teaching, I, I, I always have the same message that people expect you to act professionally and perform professionally, whether you're getting off a volunteer fire apparatus or a career fire apparatus. That was kind of the driving force behind me starting that podcast was to continue to get that message out to a larger audience. Uh, well said, I couldn't agree with you more. So absolutely. Rob, what's the, what's the deal with these guys? How do they relate to each other, man? Why do we got them both in here tonight? We got them both in here because it's just kind of an interesting path that the two of them have taken that it's like one of these is uh the same but not quite like the other and they've both chosen a very professional path so john obviously going on on to uh, become a career firefighter work his way down to virginia and you were in manassas volunteer as well right john that's correct yep um and then brian doing the uh, you know a very similar path but just kind of watching him um go from being this firefighter to the fire chief and keeping that professionalism going like uh, a lot of the times when I watch Brian or like when I was in high school and I was working in this ambulance or, and, and just kind of knowing about what Monticello has done in the past and what Rock Hill has done. It's uh, it reminds me of something Chris Hyatt told me. He was a Kingston firefighter and back in the old Ferndale station for Hudson Valley ambulance, he was partnered up with a volunteer from Calicoon and the guy's like, Oh, I'm just a volunteer. And he said, no, man, you're not a volunteer. You're a professional. Like it, the, 
the volunteer aspects, just whether you get that paycheck, but the person who's dialing 911, they expect you to be professional because you're the one coming to solve the problem. So don't ever just tell yourself you're just a volunteer. And both of these guys had such a good work ethic about being professional. I mean, like I said, I, I, they, they remember me in a very different light as a, as a young, young, smart-ass kid. But um, they probably got some stories. But uh, now you're just an older, smart-ass right. fireman. Yeah. Mm. But I, I will say, I, I think what's, what's cool about the relationship and having you both here tonight, not only are you guys friends, obviously, and, and the three of you have a background together, but, you know, it all starts with a solid foundation. Um, John, are you first generation, right? You said your parents brought you down to the firehouse, right? Correct, correct. No no fire service uh, background history in the family. And, and, and Brian, you're the same, right? You said that yeah. your father was, but you didn't really know him, and, and so right. first generation as well. So what I find really interesting is, like, I know my guys in my firehouse that are first generation. It's an interesting conversation to have with them to see how they ended up here. How did they get here, and then what – What's keeping them here? And I think with you guys, you know, the common core seems to be Rock Hill, this area of New York, and then the, you know, the foundation that's probably laid within that department to produce top guys. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I'll let John start on that one because he, you know, he was there uh, a lot earlier than I was. But can you, uh, yeah, John, I mean, do you mind talking about the culture? I mean, what, what was the draw and then what kept you there and then what made you want to push out and, and, you know, and, and go bigger and grander and, and, you know, on a larger scale. Right. I, I, w I would say that, um, and it, I think the fire service uses the word tradition and brotherhood probably hand in hand with each other. And sometimes you hear things like uh, tradition and brotherhood are leaving the fire service and we're going in a different direction. I can tell you that in Rock Hill, um, that is why I joined Rock Hill. And that's why I stayed in Rock Hill. And Rock Hill, to me, is the reason why I'm where I am today. It is the foundation of who I am um, from the minute I walked in. Um, and even now, even, even you know, I'm not obviously an active member there. I, I don't live over there. But um, I, I'm still treated as a, as a brother, as a family member. And, um, you know, I, I've given a lot of time and devoted a lot of time to that place. And in return, they've done a lot for, for me as well. Um, being a young uh, junior firefighter in 1993 um, and seeing, you know, seeing 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old, you know, members in there and all ready to show me, teach me, you know, bring me, put me under their wing and kind of show me the ropes, um, you know, and I, I, I obviously feel like that was the foundation of why. Um, I stayed in the fire service. I, I had a very good experience um, in Rock Hill. The, the members there are 100% are into the professionalism of the fire service. It does not matter um, a paycheck or not a paycheck. They're there to do the job. They're there to teach. And they are there to uh, uh, basically promote and recruit more John Stearns. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. It, you know, you walk in the door to Rock Hill and you fill out an application and you are serious about being the best you could be, they're going to give you everything that they have. That's outstanding. Cause you know how much that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. with your platform and, and speaking to guys across the country, I mean, I'm sure you see it firsthand now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and 
John's 110% correct. You know, I talked to so many guys prior to doing the podcast from, from around the state. You know, you go to a place, you go to a conference, you go to the fire academy, you sit down at a table with guys and you, and you, and you hear the stories. And not everybody is that fortunate, you know, and, and the culture, the culture in, in Rock Hill is, is, is phenomenal. And, and like you said, you know, it, there's, there's guys and girls there from 16 to in their 70s. And it doesn't matter what their age is, what they bring to the table. Do we argue from time to time? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody does. Do we, do, yeah. Do we have disagreements? Do people not see things the same way? Sure. But the biggest difference that I have seen and experienced is I can go head to head with somebody uh, at a Thursday night meeting. And when that meeting is over and we walk out the door, we walk out into the other room and we're having a slice of pizza or whatever, or the alarm goes off, it's done. You know, it doesn't make its way out to town. It do, you don't hear it throughout the neighborhood the next day. It's, it's done. It's over, you know, and, and you don't hear about that often. You know, you hear about things getting personal and guys just, you hear about this, this culture that's not a friendly culture, you know, and, and that's not the case. You know, it's, I'm, I, look, I'm, I could not be more honored to be the chief who I am right now because these what, guys are great people to lead. You know? what, what I find interesting here and what I, what I try to always get to is why. Why is the culture good? Why, why does that happen? You know, when you, when you go to, when you travel around and go to a lot of different departments and you get to see what's out there, whether career or volunteer and when, and on our platform and Rob mistake me if I'm wrong, but we've never distinguished whether you're a career or volunteer. It doesn't matter no. to us. Right. And, and, and Brian, along your terms of professional volunteer, it's just the job. Like it doesn't matter if you're a career or volunteer, we don't distinguish on this platform. We never right. have. And, and I'll take anybody to task on that. Uh, you know, frankly, I mean, I just, I, I don't think we need to distinguish the difference between, um, and, and, and so on. But where I'm going with this is like a culture like that in a department like that, that is flourishing and, and producing John Stearns and, and putting out a, a good, a good end product for their people and the services they provide. Why? Well, I, I think one of the things that comes out of it is like just, and this is from being in Youngsville where I, where I got my start in a fire service is like you go into Rock Hills Firehouse and you look at their membership and their membership's a part of the community. And that's kind of like everybody says, well, yeah, no doubt. It's like the local fire department, but it really, it really is a part of the community because when something happens there, like, and I, you know, I, don't, I think, I don't want to say that there's not community fire stations or there's not community departments, but like to see that kind of uh, interwoven knit that happens, like, because if something bad happens in Rock Hill, it's not just that like the fire department just doesn't respond and then the fire's out and they go home. Like that's only the start of the process. So like the rigs get back in service and then it's like what they're doing to help the the people in the community and because they probably know them they probably work alongside of them their kids go to school with them and it's it's not just a tragedy of that person they responded to it's a tragedy of the department and i think i mean just from my observation of rock hill alone and where i'm in uh where i was in youngsville it's everybody's problem at that point and i think it just helps bond the group a lot better because it drives the culture of wanting to to do your best i know in youngsville like it was always a uh it was always a, a you know like we wanted to be the the best we could be because if it's somebody's barn burning down that's their livelihood if they if it's their personal business that they've sunk every you know blood sweat and tear into like we don't want them to fail and we want to help save that and i just i mean that's just like i said it's one one john, observation how, john how much of it is personal meaning internal right i mean i i think 
I think a lot of the conversation needs to focus on the actual individual. Um, obviously, we're influenced. And when you join a volunteer firehouse at, a, at 16 years old or get on the job in your early 20s, you're still very impressionable. So the, the institution um, definitely molds and shapes you. But you have to have drive and determination on your own, no? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if, if, uh, it's, uh, it, it, uh, again, doesn't matter if this is paid or volunteer, it is a hundred percent on the member itself. If you don't have drive and I use these words, it's one word care. If you do not care about yourself or others then the fire service is not for you, you're not, you're not in it for the right reasons. And, I love that. Uh, and I love it, that. It talk, talk about that more, man, because we don't talk about the individual much, you know, we complain a lot about the individual, but we don't talk about the traits and characteristics that we need in these people coming in. Care is a word that's not, you know how many guys don't talk about care like that word? I don't know. No. We've ever discussed it on this platform. No. <laughs> it's a fantastic word. John, go with that, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a very small, simple word, but it means so much. Um, Agreed. You know, you care about yourself, you care about doing what's right. You care about the individuals around you and everything else is going to fall into place. Once you, once you take the word care out or you are not um, basically attached to it with, with emotion and, and, um, and the ability to give it 100% all the time, then it's time to maybe sit back and reconsider, is this the right thing for me? And, um, you know, if you give, if you give care out, care is what you will receive in the end. And, um, and I totally 100% believe in it. You, you really need to give it your, your all. Um, and sometimes, and, and again, in the volunteer house, you walk in, it, you might be on the fence. You might not know, is this the right thing for me? Right. Maybe I want to try this thing out. Maybe I realize it isn't the right thing for me. Or maybe you realize, I love this shit. I want to stay in this. And I want to continue to grow with it. And who knows where it goes from there? You know, you can stay in the volunteer service and you can continue blossoming through the ranks, um, bettering yourself through education and training. And, um, and if, if the time is right and it works for you, uh, maybe it's time to move on and, and maybe get, you know, into a career service as being paid for, or stay where you're right, you know, right there in, in your local volunteer service and, and continue to provide that care. Um, provide the best care professionalism that you can do. It does not matter if it's uh, if you're getting paid for it or you're volunteering in Rock Hill, New York or somewhere in the middle, you know, of the United States. You you uh, you keep pounding at it. You give it your all and the all is what you're going to get in return. I think I think what fuels the betterment of any club agency organization um, you name it, is people that want to better themselves, right? Because the collective whole is what makes the organization better. But if you're not in a good spot, if, if you're not secure in yourself or you don't believe in your abilities or you don't believe in your convictions or opinions, you're not going to bring much value to the team, no? Brian, what do you think? Right. I agree 100%. I, I mean, I wrote down two things while, while John was talking and I wrote down passion and personal accountability, right? Nice. If you, if you don't have passion, if you don't have passion for this job, you know, regardless of what your status is, you're not going to be good at it. 
you know, John, John, when he was a volunteer, when he was a paramedic and EMT before that, he was a passionate guy and was a passionate younger, young guy at the time. When John was assistant chief in Rock Hill, I was the chief up the road in Monticello. We were both passionate guys. We went head to head from time to time as passionate guys. We used to fight over district lines and all of kinds of stuff, you know, because, because we both cared about our agency. We cared about the job. We wanted to be the best that we could be, you know. Um, at the end of the day, we remained friends because we knew that we were just passionate about our agencies and, and, and what needed to be done. You know, but if you don't have that passion or you don't have that personal accountability to consistently make yourself better and then to make your agency better, right, you're not helping anybody, right? Because right. at the end of the day, sure, I need to be the best I can be, but it's a team sport. So I need to help bring other people along for that ride. I agree. And, and all of that fuels that culture, right? Absolutely. You know, your foundation is a department built on individuals that believe in themselves and their convictions and what they bring to the team. And then that team builds up the individual so that when you have John Stern, the impressionable 16 year old kid walking in the door, that machine is already in place to produce, make him a bigger and better person, not just firefighter, but person, right? I mean, how many guys, I don't, it doesn't matter how many guys grow up in the firehouse. Everybody does, yeah. right? If you're truly into the job, you grow up in the firehouse. Your friends are in the firehouse. Your, your personal friends grow around the firehouse. Your family grows up in the fire. My kids walk into my firehouse. They know every single guy by name and every guy in the firehouse knows my kids. And it's just the way it should be, right? right. Um, those are things that take time and individuals that are willing to invest the time. Um, I think that's super important too, the investment, right? Um, a lot of times we're seeing guys get into it for their own uh, gratification or their own reasons and not there for the right reasons at times. Right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys are there, you know, they, you know, they talk about the t-shirt and all that crap. Right. And I hate things like that, but, but it's kind of true, right. It kind of sums it up that there are guys and every department has them, that these are the guys that are in it for themselves. And while they're there, they're not leaving a positive outcome. And so they're tearing, tearing down all the work that's been laid before them. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. You know, you, know, you, you again, you got to you keep those guys in check, you know, because unfortunately, those are the guys, if you let that message and that attitude fester, that's what can change the morale and change the direction of an organization. And you need Very to, easily. Yeah, and you need, to, yeah. you need to outnumber those guys or take those guys on, you know, straight ahead it, you know you can't let it continue to, to you can't have a negative uh, a negative um attitude festering in in the fire station it's but cancerous man, do, guys, do guys shy away from conflict though man like yeah. i've never seen it more so now than ever we'd you know we'd rather now change the rules for everybody than address the one individual that caused that rule change if I think that's a cultural problem, like that's not that's just in right. our fire service. That's my because point. We, that's my we don't point. we don't teach that in schools. Like it's like I mean, I, I not that like I condone violence, but like you know what happens if like like when in high school I was going like you know if you got upset somebody you got in a fight, and then it was over. Kind of like what you guys were uh, you know relating to before about like if there's a problem with somebody you go to you go to blows with them in the firehouse, but once you walk in the next room it's over. The bell goes off, you check that shit at the door. That's not happening 
in our own like upbringing like we're not teaching people how to you know have conflict communication and get over stuff so it rolls over into the firehouse and now like because i know for me like sometimes it's like hey man you're not doing this right and they're like offended like what do you mean like yeah. you're not you're not all that in a bag of chips right now i'm sorry i love i love calling guys out right on the floor you get back from a run and you you know you call them out on something and they look at you like how dare you tell, like talk to me like this and i'm like listen fellas you've been doing this a long time like you screwed up we're gonna make it better right now we don't address it now and i let you go home we're never gonna we're never gonna tackle this topic again i think you know one of the best things that ever happened to me was getting punched in the face and almost getting knocked out it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life and i think every kid needs to be punched in the eye firmly believe it. i firmly believe it you know i think one of the biggest cultural challenges and and is the the 16 year old john stern of today when they walk into the walk into the firehouse you know when i when i joined the firehouse and and i i'm pretty sure i can speak for john and probably you guys as well you know when you were a probie you you were there like you were always there and and if you couldn't be there you would go out of your way to tell whoever the chief or the senior officer was at the time hey listen you know, I'm going somewhere with my family this weekend. I won't be around for that special detail or that drill, whatever. You would go out of your way to get that message to the leadership. Now, you know, if you're not, if you're not um, cultivating that culture and, and you take that same 16-year-old kid, like they expect you to wait on them hand and foot. You know, it's like, it's like ah, yeah, they just don't show up. You know, so, so it's important that, you, you know, when you get them young, you got to, Kind of like you said, Jeremy, you got to punch him in the face. And I had a kid a couple weeks ago <laughs> miss a fire because he wasn't feeling well. And I'm like, were you, were you home? He's like, yeah, but, but I turned my pager off because I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Yep. That silence right there between the four of us is enough, right? <laughs> like, I, I want to go to a fire. I want to go to a fire every single minute of my life. I want to go to fires. Like, in that... That to me, like I actually pulled that kid aside and I said, listen, man, I'm like, one, don't ever admit that to anybody. Two, I go, we got to talk about this because you have to understand, like, that's where you, you want to put what we're teaching you and in, ingraining into you these skills and, and all of this training. Now it's time to put it to work. I go, we don't get that opportunity. We go to maybe, you know, maybe I go to 20, 30 fires a year, right? Like jobs. And I'm like, we don't get that often to to go to that many fires so like it's game time you got a sore throat pal suck it up man you'll be healthy in a couple days like you'll be fine like you don't have the ability to say no and that's that's where like when i was young and even now i don't have the ability to say no man i still run out the door when it's when it's work you know like i drop everything you know uh, i just it's instilling that right and and that's that's some of the disconnect where i sit here and shake my head and i'm like man i go you gotta you gotta be in it um, you got to be in it, but anyway, killing this topic, John. Let's talk about let's talk about your career. How did you end up down in Virginia? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, let's go back 1999. Uh, 1999, um, I took the test in FDNY, and um, I did fairly okay on the test. Some, you know, you talk about FDNY test, and when you can score over 100, like 115 and 120 when they start giving you, and I don't know if it's still the same way, but you get resident points and you get, you know, vet points and family, yeah. you know, prior family points. Um, 
you know, my, my score of, and I, I think it was like 97 or 98, is still not good enough sure. um, when, when you're talking, you know, 115, 120 points. So I ended up making a uh, commitment to myself to, um, to go out and start taking other tests. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to go to areas that were drivable from, from living in, in uh, um, Sullivan County, New York. So I drove down, um, took a test for the city of Alexandria Fire Department, which is another right outside of uh, the District of Columbia uh, on the Virginia side department. Uh, went down with two other buddies actually from Sullivan County, uh, two other volunteer firefighters. We got a, uh, got a, a motel hotel, took the test, walked out of the test, and um, the guy that was parked next to us had a New York license plate. And we started bullshitting. And he said, we just talked. And he said, hey, uh, have you heard about Fairfax, Virginia? And I said, no. And yeah. he's, he's like, well, you know, it's an up-and-coming apartment. They're continuing to grow. Um, they're real close to here. You might want to, uh, you know, maybe search it and see, uh, see what they're about, see if they're, they're hiring. And uh, I ended up doing it. I went back to New York, um, searched uh, Fairfax County saw that they had an open application process, filled it out, and uh, started, you know, basically going down from New York to uh, Fairfax, Virginia, taking their seven test process over, you know, a year and a half time span. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty extensive, uh, it's, it's, a, it's pretty detailed test process that, that, they, uh, that they have. But anyway, um, a year and a half into the process, I got a phone call um, that, uh, offered me the job. I was a little nervous about it. Um, and, uh, after, you know, consulting with some, some close friends and actually going back to the firehouse in Rock Hill, the volunteer firehouse there and talking to, uh, some of the firefighters there that I looked up to, um, uh, some of the senior members, I, I wasn't sure if this was the right move for me. And, and everybody said the same exact thing, which is you need to go where your heart wants you to go. Um, this place is always going to be here for you. If it doesn't work out, you can always come back. And uh, I ended up doing that. I'm, I'm on the job now 17 and a half years in Fairfax. So uh, it's it's crazy to think it was that long ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, I bet. I bet. <clears throat> now, That's cool. I, I know. Go ahead, Rob. Are you going to say something? Yeah, no, no just because I, I know, John, I, I kind of, like, what's, what's the connection with Manassas? Yep. So, so, um, I had the itch to volunteer again. So I moved down here, um, uh, 2003 is when I got on the job in, uh, in Fairfax. Um, after going through recruit school, they have a, um, a six week, uh, excuse me, a six week, 26 week, six month recruit school. Um, got assigned to a firehouse and, uh, I would say about three or four months after uh, being assigned to a firehouse and coming out of recruit school, I said, you know what, I, I, I need to volunteer. I, I, I still want to volunteer. I still want to help out. I still want to do more, you know. Um, well, it's, the, it's that camaraderie too, right? You're in a new yeah. area, right? You're looking. looking Absolutely. And, yeah, right, of course. Absolutely. So, so uh, um, talk to some guys, you know, locally um, in, uh, in the fire department in Fairfax and they all pointed the direction to Manassas uh, Volunteer Firehouse, and they said that you know, it's a it's it's a busy station. They catch a lot of work. Um, they they have a lot of uh, tradition and pride in what they do, and 
I started I started getting the whole uh, this might be a, a little bit like Rock Hill now Rock Hill is a lot slower but the pride and, and the tradition and and the the wanting to do what's right for the fire service is the what care. the care the made care. me go made me go to uh, to Manassas and uh, while I was in Manassas walked in obviously uh, you know didn't ask for anything I I, I was a rookie you know um, proby firefighter. Um, wasn't asking for any kind of special, you know, permissions of, of doing anything and, uh, was there for, you know, th they have a red hat system, um, which is a probationary firefighter did that for a year and then gradually, um, was a firefighter black hat, then became a Lieutenant, then became a captain, then became an assistant chief. And then I became the fire chief. Uh, of um, <laughs> you know, o o over over a, a period of time, became the fire sure. chief there, and um, and that was an exciting uh, transition of um, being in the Northern Virginia area, um, volunteering in a very very um, um, traditional fire service kind of uh, department, and um, you know, and doing what I love to do, which is which is provide the best service that I can. That's cool. Awesome. Great. That's a great story. That's that's and fantastic. Is is uh NASA still having do they still have like a they have a live in program or are they like how are they doing now? So um I, I would love to answer that question. I, I don't know. And the reason okay. so kids um had yeah. uh had two boys and uh and that kinda changed the path of uh my attention and uh and now it's uh haven't been in the door in Manassas now for uh, about six or seven years because of, of kids. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, it's, it's a life changing experience as, as everybody says. Um, but the attention is, uh, is, is family and now obviously work. So I can't, can't speak to what Manassas currently has. Yeah. But I, listen, I get that completely, man. And not only that, but when you're, when you're in a volunteer system and it's a busy system, right? It takes a lot out of you, man. I mean, I know, you know, when I was chief and did the whole officer thing for a long time, I mean, it really took over my life. And you have to step back and slow down from some of the responsibilities after you go up through the ladder, because if you don't, you're going to get burned out. And I don't care how good the department is. The department can be the best in the nation. You can have your best friends on that department. You're going to get burnout. It happens to everybody. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the icing on the cake for me, and it was kind of a lesson learned. Was I had my my newborn baby, a um, couple months old, in my hands, and uh, trying to, you know, um, calm him down from crying, and then all of a sudden the tones dropped. The tones dropped for for a house fire, and not only a house fire, it ended up being four houses on fire. And and uh, I looked at my wife and I said, you know what, I I got to go on this. They they need help. I mean, they yeah, they, they right. continue to to set, you know, it's going to a second and third and fourth alarm fire. And guess what? I went to that thing and, and, uh, you know, hours after being there and, um, you know, going back to the firehouse, cleaning up, you know, getting back home, reality set it, set in for me. And it's like, you know what, I, I need to make, I need to make a decision. And it's not, you know, nobody said that other than myself to myself. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's, but you're, uh, but you're the type of guy that's either going to do it or you're not. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm either all in or not in. Right. And that's that's right. how it has to be. But I think, so. John, that's such a like a that's such a good point to hit on, and because people, that's like self care, right? Self care one hundred and one, and like I don't know what happens with people where they're like either like they get pressure from the organization or they put it onto themselves or it's a combination of both. But like, that's such the right call because all the time we preach in the fire service, family first, family first, family first. And I think guys try to make that decision sometimes. And instead of somebody saying, you know what, we're going to really miss you, but we understand that message doesn't come out. And I, like, I'm, I'm happy that you hit on that because I know there's people out there who are probably struggling with the same thing. And it's okay to pass the rain on to somebody else, let them take over, and you go and like go, you know, be with your family and do what you have to do. Like that's so important. And I think a lot, like you said, a lot of guys will burn, burn themselves out, and instead of walking away from their firehouse, they're burning down their marriage, they're burning down their family life. And it's like I, I think that's incredible that you were, you know, you came back from that and you had that self reflection, but then you put it into action because I've seen and people not do it. And listen, I can, I can relate 110% because I had two years left in my, in being chief of the department and I stepped down. I was one of three chiefs ever in the, in the history of my department uh, to step down during an active chief position. I was chief of the department. I had two years left on the term and I came home one night and looked at my wife. We had two kids. My, I have two daughters. My two youngest are 14 months apart. And so we just had our, our, you know, Lily and, so we had Paige and Lily and one was a newborn, one was, you know, 14 months old. And, you know, I, I came home one night from the firehouse late, like always. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'm done. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to resign the position. And she goes, what? like you worked all this time in your fire service career to get to that position. And now you're going to step down. And self-reflection was there was just no way in hell I was going to be able to juggle both. And I won't do a position unless I can do it. And, you know, the guys at the firehouse now want me to run for captain again in the volunteer house. And, you know, we want you to be the captain of the engine company again We're in your, in your company. I'm like, no. I'm like, I enjoy being the senior guy in the firehouse where I can ride the back step or drive if I need to and make that decision. But I can call an audible and not be locked into a responsibility of being an officer because I know I can't do the position anymore. And in the volunteer service, that's not talked about enough. And, and John, I'm glad you did hit on that because – yeah, I think um, I think guys, a lot of guys, and when I say guys, of course, we're talking about just everybody in the fire service, right? You know, I I just don't think a lot of people have honest conversations with themselves about what they can, what what type of giving they can do, and then how well do they do the job. So I'm I'm grateful that you said that. So it's good. It's a good point. Yeah, you guys just hit on so much, so mm. much in that in that in that brief ten minutes. Yeah, right. You know, you know, Rob. Part part of what you were saying you know, going back to the organization is from, from talking to guys, there are unfortunately organizations out there that would not respect the decision that John made that self, that self-reflection that saying, listen, you know, family first right now, I got to take a step back when things calm down, you know, hopefully maybe I'll have the time to come back and dedicate. There's agencies out there, you know, that, that would shun a guy for that. Be like, what does he mean? You know, what do you mean he's not going to come back? You know, what does he mean family first? And we say it, but not everybody, not everybody believes it, you know, or not everybody, not every organization buys into it. And then Jeremy, what you were saying about, you know, about that all in attitude that we all have, you know, the four of us here obviously all have that all all in attitude. 
you know, if if you're if you're not going to be all in, who are you helping? You know, I mean, if you were going to come back in as the captain and not be 100% about being the captain, you might as well let the guy that's going to be 100% about it do it, you know? Agreed. So those are those conversations that, that a lot of times don't like to be had at the, at the firehouse. Which, and for all three of you, I mean, because you've all served in this chief's position, that's actually like another great point of this. If you're getting pressured to be into that, that position, whether it be a lieutenant, a captain, or even they're asking to be move up and to be a chief, and you're not all in. Like, how much damage? Because I'd rather I'd rather keep a position vacant and have, like, you know, if I, if, there, if I had you know four open positions, I'll take three people that are all in versus having that one guy who's only in seventy five percent because I'm only gonna get that seventy five percent of the work out of him. Or you know, like that time that he's supposed to be, I need him to be that hundred percent he's not going to perform and that's going to hurt the organization. Like I think a lot of people, they, they settle and they're like, well, I'll take the 75% or I'll, I'll take the 50% commitment because you know, it's all well, it's better than nothing, but sometimes that can hurt a, an organization as well. So. Yeah. Because you know what it leads to Rob. It, and, and I say this all the, I say this a lot, unfortunately, usually in the volunteer fire service, when you're electing your Lieutenant or whatever your lowest position is, you're electing your future chief. That's mm -hmm. usually how it works, you know, because unfortunately, um, either we push people through the ranks because we've got nobody else. And yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're 50 to 60% committed, but, uh, you know, they're not really committed. And then one day we're, we're all, you know, it's that time of the year and we're all like, oh, you know, it's time for, you know, whoever to become the chief now. Right. <laughs> you know, and we're, and we're like, how did that happen? And like, well, you know, he was the lieutenant, the first lieutenant, the captain, the assistant chief. And now we're all standing around wondering how like it's election night and, and, and he's going to become the chief, you know, he or she's going to become the chief. We, we, you know, it's all part of that, that, you know, we continue to push people through or allow people to just kind of be there because we have nobody else or because we're happy with somebody that gives 50% or we don't want to leave a spot open. And, and I'm with you. I'd rather have a spot open than have somebody fill it. That's never Hell there yeah. to help. L you listen, when, when you're filling positions and you're allowing uh, subpar, uh, subpar activities or, or uh, job performance, we're going to, the public loses, we lose. Not only we lose, right? So leave the public out of it for a minute, right? Um, you know, a four-man, well-trained engine company, I'll put against an eight-man engine company any day of the week. The company is not well-trained, right? So the way I look at it, too, is when we start putting people in positions just to fill the position or, or they don't have the ability to do the job to the 100% that it needs to be done to, we're creating a, a system of failure. And we're creating a system that allows for mediocrity. And I, I think that's the – truly – this circles back, John, to our beginning conversation about culture, right? Allow for a culture that doesn't hold people accountable to what they sign up for in the position they want to be in, right? Or we hold and we don't hold people accountable for subpar, um, you know, performance. We're going to lose as a culture, and then we're going to lose as, a, as an organization. Plus, it erodes, like, you know, John gives a speech to somebody about caring, and he sets that standard up, and he sets that expectation, and now we have that that person who's not 
doing not only what like he, he negates everything that John said, but he's getting he's getting away with it. And those younger members, see of course. It, and and then when you call them out on it, once you create a system that for mediocrity, there's no accountability anymore. How do you hold somebody accountable for their job when we're allowing them to perform at sixty percent capacity? You hold people to a hundred percent, and when they can't deliver, you can hold them accountable. But that's like punishing. Like I, you know, listen. I'm a very hands-on like father with my children, and I'm dis disciplinarian. And it's my kids are pleased and thank you. They're very well-spoken children, and you know they're you know every teacher loves them. And this and that. And it has to do with parenting. It's accountability. Like when you lose track of accountability and you don't hold people accountable, you lose. And when you have a system. When you have a system that allows for mediocrity, there's no accountability any longer. You can't hold people accountable for mediocrity. Yep. So you're going to lose. You're going to lose every time. And it doesn't matter if it's volunteer or career because you have career guys in the firehouse that are mediocre at best or are there for the wrong reasons also, and they're not performing. And what do they do? They bring down the system. They bring down the company. They bring down the department. And it circles back to professional or to personal accountability, like we mentioned. Absolutely. Before. You know, if you're in a Absolutely. leadership, if you're in a leadership position and you're not holding yourself, whether it's a formal leadership position or an informal leadership position, you know, whether you, it doesn't matter. If 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 you're not holding yourself to that that standard, you cannot expect anybody else to want to hold themselves to the standard either. You know, because they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, "Ah, it's okay for him. It'll be fine for me." You know. But if they're looking at you doing your best to make everything better and to, you know, continue to better yourself at the art of being a firefighter, then they're going to probably want to come along for the ride. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's it, right? Creating that culture that people want to be a part of. People don't want to be a part of something. You're, you're going to shake loose. You're going to shake loose the, the mooches and the guys that are clinging on by a thread because you're not going to tolerate that, right? When you create a system of proficiency and accountability, the scabs go away, the mutts go away, and it doesn't matter. It's like in a career department, you have your A class, you have your A houses, right? You're not going to get a mutt being in one of the busiest engine or truck companies in a city somewhere because they can't hide there, right? So, like, it's the same, it's the same mentality across the board. It doesn't even have to be the fire service; it's just anything in general. Yeah. People need to, people like to hide. You have you have your alphas and you, and then you have everybody else and the everybody else that can't perform, they want to go hide. And when you have a system that allows them to hide, we're going to lose. What's uh, for like John, for yourself, like, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about this accountability and for you as a Lieutenant, what's your challenge in leadership and how you approach this situation? Because that's something that's not talked about in the book. Like we talk about, you know, giving size ups and going to fires and stuff like that. But like, how do you, what, what, like, what are the challenges in leadership when you're approaching something like this and you're trying to have that accountability? Because, like I said, I never got a book on it that was like, hey, this is how you deal with it. Here's the answers. And I was like, oh, cool. I could just reference page three. Like, <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I, I go back, uh, I will always go back to that same simple word of care. Um, I will, here's the thing I, the firehouse I work in currently, it's a very large firehouse. Um, we have um, uh, three suppression units and two uh, transport units, uh, and they're all they're all staffed. Um, so, when you're in a station that has a a uh, 
I would just say a large number of folks. You have you have opportunity of people, you know, with different mindsets of the job, right? Of course. Um, but but the bottom line is is that you know everybody comes to the table. Um, they look at the officers. We we have three officers that are assigned two lieutenants and a captain at the station I'm at, um, all on the same um, you know 24 hour shift. And uh, if the three officers are all working in the same, you know, with the same mindset and the same goal in the end, then everybody behind them knows knows what's expected and, and everybody kind of follows through. Um, you know, one of the things and I think, you know, everybody's kind of touching on here, um, especially when you you find the the, the the member either on a volunteer side or career side, the, the one that's kind of lagging behind. Um, you know, mentorship is huge, um, and and assigning those those folks, um, spe- especially the young folks, um, a mentor, somebody that they could trust and look up to, and have respect of of knowing um, what's right, what is wrong, how to do, what to do, when to do it, is is huge in the fire service. Um, and I think sometimes that gets overlooked a lot. Sometimes it's a check mark and people are just assigned somebody and say, okay, he's going to be your mentor. You might've picked the wrong person, right? That what, what was right for Johnny might not be right for Billy. And, and I think that is, is, is very big when, um, when we're trying to get the right message across, especially to young folks walking in the door for the first time, trying to understand, trying to learn they they, they are, they're either going to go down the right path or they're going to go down the wrong path. And there's no path in between. And um, if you set them for, for failure, it's going to be failure for the rest of their career. doesn't matter if it's volunteer or career. Um, if you set them down the right path, the right path, they're going down the right path for their whole career. I, I promise you that. That's what happened to myself um, at 16 years old, walking in the door. I, I, was, I, was, I basically was given a path to go down the right way that put me to where I am today, which is success. And, um, you know, we started talking a little earlier about, you know, the Rock Hill Volunteer Fire Department. I'm telling you that 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 is a gem. That place is a gem. Um, they, they do the right thing all the time. Right. They, they are always giving 100 percent. They give everything they can and they never lose focus on the mission. And the mission is to provide the best service they can to the citizens. And at the same time, they care about their members. That is huge. And, and um, I don't know what goes on in the rest of this country, but if there's a department out there that does not have that philosophy, they're doing something wrong. And that might be the reason why they're not able to retain members. Well said. Good point. Do you know, do you, so your mentor, do you stay in touch with them? That's going to be my next question. Who is your mentor? Yeah. Um, <laughs> My mentor passed away. Oh, that's sorry to hear yep. that. Yep. Yeah, but that... Uh, that I mean, it's a great question. It's a, uh, but I will tell you that um, there there are several folks in the in the uh, in the Rock Hill, uh, you know, firehouse there that you know when I go down and I visit and I you know or go up and I visit and I, I go to a Thursday night drill, you know, and I and I kind of shoot the shit and kind of you know. It brings me right back to 1993, you awesome. know, walking in that door, you know, being mm-hmm. 16 years old, you know, and, and here's the thing, you're going to make mistakes, right? Nobody's perfect. 
and and um, um, but but the key is is that those guys, those mentors, walk you through those mistakes, help you get through those mistakes, and you move on from it. You learn from it, and it makes you a better person. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Like, what what who who is your mentor? And I mean, are you, if you're comfortable talking about it, obviously, but like, who is your mentor for coming up in, in into the in the fire service? I had a I had a bunch of them, you know, bunch of them growing up. Um, you know, probably one of my one of my earliest earliest mentors was uh, actually ended up being my my wife's uncle. So you know, Carl Harmon. You know, Carl okay, yeah, for Monticello for years. He was you know probably one of my earliest mentors. Um, you know, always, you know, he always had a, a, a solid work ethic, you know, always wanted to do the right thing for the community, um, kind of led me into the path of being a fire instructor, um, you know, and then we drifted apart for a few years, um, you know, differences of opinions on some things. We ended up circling back a few years later. It happens, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, then when I got into teaching, I, you know, some of the guys that I taught with, um, you know, became my mentors, you know, looking up to them. Um, you know, when I first got hired on as, as an instructor, um, uh, Jim Cavello, who I don't know if that's who John's mentor was. That's exactly who it was. was. Yeah. Yep. So, so Jim Cavello was, was a state fire instructor up, up here when, uh, when I first got on the job as a, as a fire instructor. And, you know, he was always kind of a rough around the edges kind of guy, I think, you know, like, he, you know, he could very easily rub you the wrong way, but his heart was in the right place, and he uh, he took the job very seriously. Um, and, and I'll never, you know, I'll never forget. I wasn't officially hired yet um, from for the state. I wasn't officially hired yet, and I showed up on a at the training center to help out with a live fire evolution or something. And I was so proud because I already I already had my like fire instructor T-shirt, you know, although I wasn't officially on the job yet. And Jim looked at me and he said putting the cart before the horse there, aren't you? You know, and I was like, you know, and that was the comment, the comment you would get from, and he didn't mean anything bad by it. He was breaking my balls, you know, um, but you know, he was right, you know, but guys like him, um, you know, again, we, we disagreed. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, he did pass away and, and I didn't get to work with him as much as I would have liked to have worked with him. But, let me uh, let me ask you this, Brian. Like, I I think that type of thing, right, is so important because, yeah, it's ball busting, but there's yeah. truth behind it, and that oh, absolutely that bit of truth is something that stuck with you, and you yeah. know you remember that story all these years later, and that was his way of tutoring you and and laying his influence down upon you to say like, hey man, like you know. This isn't, you know, the, there's another way or, or yeah, yeah. Yeah. One. I, I love that. I mean, I, I try to do that now. I mean, I have, I think I have more influence in my fire department today than I ever have, whether I was chief of the department, assistant chief on down, company captain, it didn't matter. I think now the, the, inf this, the sphere of influence I have is because I've been there, I did it, and now I'm one of the more senior guys that still will take the knob out of a young kid's hand in a second, right? And, and pull the seniority card when I have to so I can make the rig to go on that job mutual aid or something. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's there's that level of proficiency that I bring to the table, and then there's a level of respect. And and I think what happens is 
is that we need guys like that. We need more, more of those guys that, that, you know, you put the cart before the horse type of guys because yeah. a little informal ball busting goes a very long way and it sticks with these kids. Um, and I think it's super important that, that we have guys still in the firehouse that will do that. Um, and, and I think the other word that we've got to talk about is tactfully, right? There's a, there's a way to do it um, tactfully, meaning yeah. you can bust balls and break stones all you want, but you have to do it in a, in a manner that is constructive. Um, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think people lose that, that tact part of it at times, and it becomes more of a, an assault than a yeah. direction, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I think that's happening too. You know, and he he was getting ready to retire from instructing at the time, and I was the new guy coming in. I think I actually, I think I actually took his spot when I got hired. But, but um, yeah, that was kind of his way of letting me know, you know, teaching me a lesson. And uh, oh yeah, and, you know, and I and I do remember it, and I'll, I'll always remember it. But you know, I also remember the fact that, and that was two thousand three, two thousand four. I had just come out of being chief in Monticello. I thought I knew it all back then, you know, and now I look, you know, I look at myself. How old now, were you, Brian? I was, uh, I was 30. Yeah. yeah. So I was a young, I was a young chief as well. Yeah. And I, and I look at myself now compared to myself back then. And I really, totally I, different. I didn't know shit. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, I really didn't. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I get it now. Guys are like, I can't believe you just said that. And I go, why? They go, when you were chief, this would have never flown. This would have never flown. You, you wouldn't have allowed this to happen. And now you sit back and like watch it happen. And I go, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm older, I'm wiser, you know, yeah. or I like, I like to think I am. That's you what know? it says. It's, you know what it is? It's maturity and life experiences. We're, we're pushing through so many guys through the, through the firehouse that, you know, with these, these younger kids, it's, you know, they, there has to be a level of maturity. And, and I think now more than ever, maturity, the, the definition of maturity has changed. Um, you know, they might be mature in some areas, but, much more immature in other areas today versus the gentleman of, of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think maturity is, is very different today, how we judge maturity versus back then um, and so on. But what do you see, like, on your career, hop in on this. Like, what do you see with the, with the new guys coming in, the recruit class, um, you know, whether it's in Fairfax or, or Brian, the, the new kids that are coming through, your your volunteer house um there's a lot of good good kids coming through there's a lot of good people getting on the job um you know we have our battles there's a constant struggle of you know this younger age group just doesn't get it they're disconnected they're this they're that and i'm a firm believer that this happens every generation so you know when i joined i was a piece of shit too right and then and you know and now the next generation and so on so but I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are. Um, John, maybe start with you, brother, as a, as a lieutenant. I mean, you're, you're carrying some weight now, and, and you got probies that are looking up to you um, and so on. So I'm just curious what your take is, um, you know, on the new class, if you will. Yeah, um, well, I, I could speak for a, uh, a guy that got on the job. Our newest guy has got about five, four or five months on. Um, he... Um, and I'm telling you, we, we, and I can't speak for everyone, everyone that came out of this class, but we definitely got a solid individual. And from That's day awesome. one, from day one, walking in the firehouse, um, you know, he, he was ready to learn. He was ready to absorb like, like, like a sponge and, and everybody knew that. And, um, 
you know, again, I, I hate to keep harping on that carrot thing, but you can tell in his eyes, in his eyes, that he was there to better himself, to learn from the folks that are there that did it before him. That that you know, even though it's a son, a mentor, he was he wanted to learn from everybody, right? Um, that that's huge, right? If you walk in, and again, career volunteer, you walk in the station and you show interest. Everybody around you wants to teach. They want to give you knowledge that they have learned. They want to pass it on, but you have to show it. If you if you walk in the door, it doesn't matter what firehouse anywhere, and you show no no interest. Nobody's going to go out there and grab you by your hand and show you what needs to happen, right? But everyone in that station, everyone in that firehouse is willing to give you everything they have. You just have to be willing to either A, accept it, and B, want to go and better yourself. And, and, and to speak for the individual, um, our, our new rookie at our firehouse, from day one, walked in, signed in the book, was ready to learn, was ready to go to work, um, and 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 I can't ask for anything better. I mean that that is uh, as a as an officer in an apartment, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what you want, you know. And like you said, there there is the other way. I mean there there are you know folks out there maybe not doing it for all the right reasons or for the reasons that we think are the right reasons. Um, there that, that's a little more challenging right um, sure is yeah but but I, you know we've been fortunate at least um you know with our newest rookie that that that's exactly i mean how often do you have probies coming through john um we usually get at least one a year um at okay. least you know per shift we uh just we're a busy house um so you know obviously they, they try to send you know rookies to to busy stations so we you know we're fortunate enough and and again that, that's another that's another thing that you know you have a good shift when your shift wants rookies i mean that that speaks volumes right sure. you know how many guys out there are like you know i'm done we I, I, give us a couple of years off no it's you know bring on another one we're ready you know and and it brings it brings a lot to the shift as well like you know yeah rookie, talk about that yep yeah not, not 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 only is it good for for the rookie but it's even better for the shift i mean you know we're st we're it, it, it keeps us on our toes right yeah. it, it makes it makes us want to better ourselves because we know that if we don't he or she's watching right so so you know it, it it's it's huge um, at least I feel to 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 bring on a new person, bring on that rookie, or in a volunteer house, bring on a new member, and and it it kind of it kind of sometimes it can spark the fire again, right? I hate to use that word, but it can kind of spark it again. It, it you know you you have a shift that maybe is um, you know I, again I'm fortunate that I don't have it, but you might have a shift that you know signs in the book. They're ready to start their shift work and are kind of they feel like they're forced to do things and then you have other shifts that are like man i can't wait to get out there and do yep. something regardless if it if it's if it's a call you know or or training or whatever right. it is and for a rookie to have a shift that wants to teach that wants to show 
and and to kind of you know um hand the knowledge over to the next newest person man that is a blessing well i think it's I, I, it's yeah go ahead, Robert. no it's just good for like the the shift as well because like one of the things that i find is um like we, we talked about it a little bit before is that like conflict communication and i like having a like i, I like getting a probe on, on on the shift because if somebody comes up to me and they're like hey like you know john didn't do this and i'm like well did you talk to him about it and they're like well no and i'm like well then how is he supposed to know that he did or did not do that like go go have the conversation with him it's okay and it's like you know because like i said they don't, they don't know how to do it so now i'm forcing it and then sometimes i'm a dick if they don't do it and i'll be like oh hey did you talk to john about that thing before and you know and brian's like no i didn't they're like oh cool all right hey john brian had a problem before but he didn't want to come to you about it so let's talk about it right now now it's an awkward situation but Brian sure as shit ain't gonna like next time, you know, slink at the opportunity because he's, you know, he knows he's gonna be held accountable by me. So like, I think it's a, like one of the other, you know, advantages is that kind of it's like a, a round the table leadership development for for the people that are on the ship too. Because and, can, and, and John, I have to think as a boss, right? Like, how how awesome is it to watch the excitement go through your guys, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I always like engagement. Like, I love standing back and watching the light, ding, ding, you know, the light bulbs are going off and all these guys are like hopping in. And then, you know, when we go places and we engage people as national fire radio, a lot of times senior guys shy away from us. They walk off 20 minutes later, they're in the middle of the conversation telling stories. They Mm -hmm. come up to it, but man, it is so exciting to see that engagement. It's so exciting. And I'm sure as a boss, right, you have a big firehouse and you get a probie in there and all of a sudden, a guy with one year on and a guy with 30 years on, they're excited to have them there and they're engaging them. I mean, just watching that as a boss has to be a, a fantastic feeling. It's a, it's not, you know, I, I take pictures of it. <laughs> I, I literally do. I, mean, I, I, I take pictures of it and, and it's like, it's a cat. It's a, it's a, it's a quick image of the priceless acts of what these folks are doing to, to, yeah. to, to just go out there and and to um, continue to, to train and and to um, give it its all and and give that hundred percent now to the next newest person and uh, you know I, I capture it in images because that that's how it kind of reminds me when I go. Oh, <laughs> oh, John, you froze out. That's not a good way. That's not a good view to freeze on, John. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, beach, beach house <laughs> Wi-Fi, baby. <laughs> that, M- Rob, mark the time on this. Where are we so we can? See you go you back. got it. I don't. I, I don't know. How uh, I one one thirty-two. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Let me text John. <laughs> yeah, just tell him to sign out. We'll come back in. Log out. <laughs> right. Since we're kind of like breaking right now, what? Um, where do you want to take this, man? Where do you want to, what do you, you got any ideas of conversations that you want to hop into? We're, you know, we're, oh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled with where it's going so far. Okay. Uh, it's okay. great. You know, good. I want to, I want to talk about you. We've been hitting on, you know, John and Fairfax, but no, no, it's good. Yeah. You a little bit. Are you, so my, my question is, and I don't want to, I'm glad we have this opportunity real quick to ask this question, but um, are you, the reason why you didn't become a career fireman just, curious none of my business i just was it ever a thought or oh absolutely yeah i'll dive into that I, yeah no okay yeah, no problem because i know for me like i had plenty of opportunity 
yeah the family business kept me from that because i felt that the future was in the family business and not yeah. Yeah. Um, just make sure you check the participant thing to see if john's trying to get back in yeah he's not okay not yet so yeah i was i was curious you know i know you know usually there yeah. he is you there there yeah. you go You know what? That's that's a nine-year-old kid that touched something he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have to hold him, John. We got to hold him accountable. Yeah, uh, uh, we will uh, address that. <laughs> no, I, I don't know where. Where I, I apologize that I was kind of on a little rant there, but oh no, 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 you're fine. All right, Sebi, just uh, we're marking, we're editing. Here we go. So, John, you were you, you remember where you were with this or now? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of leave it as the uh, the picture thing, the moment thing. You know, watching watching some of the uh, either the senior guys or other guys on the ship, kind of you know an informal, formal kind of way of either showing um, you know how we do business or the, the right thing to do or you know um, talk about tactics, talk about things around the firehouse, talk about you know the fire. The, the, the ladder truck, the, the engine, the medic unit, the rescue squad, or what, whatever whatever the unit is, whatever the topic is, um, they're, they're always ready to engage and, and pass on the knowledge. And uh, like I said before, I, I capture that in pictures because when I go back and I look at my phone and I look at pictures and I see, you know, on, um, I don't know, December 1st, you know, 2018, you know, it makes me smile. It, it, it's, yeah. you know, For sure. I love it. And, and as the boss, I mean, it's, you're, you're helping, you're helping facilitate that culture that people want to be a part of, you know, um, you know, you want, you want to, so how long have you been a, a lieutenant now? I've been a lieutenant. That's a great question. Uh, got promoted in 2011, nine years. So in your nine years, I'm sure you've seen some of your guys get promoted. No. Yeah. Oh, I, I yes. Yes. So, so, I mean, that's got to be, again, that's got to be uh, just an incredible feeling for you to know that your tutelage and, and your company, your house, is putting out qualified officers to take that position. That, that is 100% correct, yes. Yeah, that's cool. 100%. Awesome. Ryan, let's hop into you, brother. Let's talk about your background a little bit. Um, the professional volunteer, you, you're chief and chief again, no? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, so you're a glutton for punishment is what that is. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I, I enjoyed it the first time. Yep. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it again this time. You know, Good. You know you've been there. It, it goes fast. Sure. You know, I, I, when I made the move to where I am now, I really, you know, kind of like John talking about Manassas before. You know, when I walked in the door at Rock Hill, I really didn't have any expectations. You know, I just wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to do my thing. And, uh, you know, those guys took me in like, you know, like I was a 20 year member, you know, just made me part of the family immediately. Um, there was a hole in the line two years after I joined for an assistant chief. And, um, you know, they, they put me in the, in the ranks and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty motivated. I, I can have some crazy ideas sometimes, but I, I would never, I'm never going to lead anybody down a path. I wouldn't go down myself. 
And, uh, you know, when I first got in, there was, you know, there's some guys that were like, I don't know how this, I, I think they were like, I don't know how this is going to work out, but, but the, it, it's such an amazing organization that I, I think they could see that, you know, all I wanted to do was help make the organization better than it already was. And it, it was already great, you know, and all I wanted to do was keep taking it in that, in that direction. And, um, I'm just, you know, look, I'm just, I'm thrilled to be surrounded by people that are just so supportive and, and just want to do nothing but continue to make the organization better every single day and make themselves better every single day. You know, and we talk about that all the time. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Yeah. yeah. It's only going to better you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how long you've been a volunteer now since when? I have uh, 1990? 90, yeah. Yeah, so I joined Monticello in 90. Um, kind of, you know, the story of, of why I joined is not very traditional. Uh, I have been at my, uh, my nine-to-five job for 31 years, I think, 31 or 32 years. I work for a, uh, a family-owned wholesale plumbing and heating supply. Uh, my dad retired from there after 50 something years. So not a, not a family business, but, but, kind but of, a family business, kind yeah, of right. a family business. Right. Right. Our yeah. name's not on the building, but we've been there for a long time. Collectively. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I started that job after college. Didn't really, I found out it wasn't really my thing. Um, all the guys I was, I was working with were volunteers somewhere. Uh, guys from Jeffersonville, Youngsville, out in Rob's area there, you know, and, and I, I noticed that, you know, they're, they're wearing this big minute or one back in those days on their side, you know, it was like a brick. And, you know, I noticed this trend that this pager's going off and these guys are leaving work all the time. Well, what the hell is this all about? You know, here I'm, uh, you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, didn't really know, didn't think I really knew any volunteer firefighters at the time, but you know, just being surrounded by those guys kind of gave me the itch. And I went down to the Monticello Firehouse after an application. And, you know, here we are 30 years later, still doing what it. What was your hook? Like, when you got there, you walked in the door. I mean, obviously, there was a really big hook because yeah. you, have, you have dedicated your yeah. life. You know, I remember my first call. I was scared shitless. And it was like a bullshit MVA or like a car fire. You know, but I remember the pager going off. And I remember the guys at work telling me, you know, go, go. It was like the end of the day. It was like quarter to five. And they're like, yo, man, go, go, get going. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do, you know. I'm like, go where? They're like, go to the fire. And I'm like, you know, and I was, I was legit scared shitless. Like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do when I got there. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the camaraderie, the brotherhood, just being around people. And, and once I got settled in, you know, there were guys that I graduated high school with that were there that I didn't know. You know, so I was surrounded by people that, that I, I really didn't know were involved. We all kind of joined at the same time. And uh, it's a blessing, man. You know, I, I, it, the amount of people that I've gotten to meet over the years and become friendly with and, you know, that I'm, you know, that I, that I'm still friendly with all these years later. It's... You, know, you know what I love? I love, and you hit on it uh, kind of right there, is that, um, you know, guys from high school that you didn't know. And, and what, I, what I love about the fire service is how we don't, and yeah. now more than ever with everything going on in society and, and everything right now, like the fire service has such a blind eye to age, race, 
you know, male, female, like I, I obviously there's some old school mentality out there, but sure. at the end of the day, like I know that like, there's no distinction between that 19 year old kid and 75 year old man in my firehouse. Right. There's just no distinction. Just like in, the, in, in any other house there, there should not be. Um, and, and I think that's an interesting conversation because outside of the fire service, that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, my friends that have nothing to do with the fire service have a hard time believing that I'm friendly with guys in their seventies and kids that are in their, in their, you know, still teens and early twenties. And, and they, they have a hard time subscribing to that. And, and I think that's fun. Um, I think that's what makes it so good. I remember when I was in high school, um, you know, we had a couple of kids join from different ages in high school, different ages. And it was like, I was a senior and, and these kids were like, oh, you know, this and that. And they were, they were like, you know, like nerdy kids. And then you have the jocks and then you have the popular kids and you have the, you know, this and that. And they, but they might not have like, were, were close in school, but all of a sudden they joined the fire department together and they become friendly and then they become friends. And it's like, it's just, it's an institution that really just puts people together because the institution is greater than the individual. And that's yeah. the best part about this, right? Yeah, is, for sure. You know, this this has really set us all up for just an amazing, amazing life lessons um, and so on and people. And that's what I try to instill in my kids. You know, look at the firehouse. I go, you know, yeah. your dad's friends with these guys and these guys, and it doesn't matter. You respect the individual, and it doesn't matter who the individual is. For sure. So, so all right. So you go to your first call, you're scared shitless, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then it, there's there's a hook. I mean, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, right? Do you remember yeah. the first fire when you were like, yep, I got this. Like, this is this is my go-to. I'm, I'm in. You know, unfortunately, I don't remember my first fire. I remember, I remember my first, like, real motor vehicle accident, and it was, like, it was real. You know, like, uh, MCI, people all over the place, you know. I, right. You know, and I, I remember that vividly. I really don't remember my first fire. I, I mean, I remember fires over the years, you sure. know, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, um, just something I've loved ever since I kind of stepped foot in there, you know, and there's been, look, there's been highs and lows, you know, there's times I, you know, there's been highs and lows. There's been times where I'm like, oh, why am I still doing this? You know, but they're, they're few and far between. You know? Fine, but but then you also get that hook where it's like just when you're hitting that low. And we talked about that earlier with the peaks and valleys and, and everybody goes through that burnout and low, right? But then all of a sudden, like something just picks you back up and you're back in it the next day, you know? Yeah, for sure. Brian, is there a, is there a call that you remember that like, or, or John, that you guys were at together where like, it was just like, like that, you know, like, I, cause I mean, I, one of the things I always thought was cool was when I was a young firefighter, like that was when the like the fast team stuff started coming out, and Rock Hill and Monticello were working together a lot. Was there was there a call in that in that time frame that you guys both were at the scene? Like it was just like a, you know a kick ass job where you guys were like, geez, I'm sure there's lots of them. If we, yeah. if we thought about it, I mean, you know, and like I said, in the in the in the two years when I was the chief, John was assistant chief, right? I'm right about yep, that. Yep, right? yep, yep. John John was the assistant chief. And, um, you know, I mean, we always pretty much ran together. Yeah, I mean, that, that's always kind of been yeah. the way it was. Um, you know, I, I always counted on Rock Hill when, when, when I was the chief of Monticello because I always knew they brought, you know, they brought people to the game, you know, and, and, and they were going to show up and be ready to work. And, um, 
you know, I, I know we've done some, I know we've done some stuff over the years. I, I, I mean, the fast team stuff. I mean, we did some, we got in, we started getting into tech rescue in Monticello back then. Um, I know we did some trench collapses and stuff that, that I think we were all at. Um, there's been a few of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk fast team alone. I just, uh, I can't remember specifics on a call or two that, you know, we maybe ran or bumped into each other, but, um, you know, back, uh, let's think about this had to have been late nineties, right? What, what, when did we do the fasting? Cause we kind of all went to, uh, was it Poughkeepsie or Dutchess? Camp Smith. Yeah, when I used to do training at right. Camp yeah. Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Camp yeah. Smith. That's a, that's a ways yeah. ago. That's that's the 90s, man. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, we were – It had to be we were, 99. Or what was called Worcester? Because that was when the – I remember when Worcester – that was like the, the push. The, the, like, the push. Like 98, 99 was when all the firefighter survival fast stuff started happening. Yeah. Because and, – and, and we were fortunate, you know, because um, – and I mentioned Carl before. He was he he was pretty involved at the time, uh, teaching already, and he had made some really good friends and connections uh, down in the FDNY. And a lot of those guys were very influential in the you know the firefighter survival fast programs. You know, John Salka um, was one of them. Um, Ricky Tanangreta. You know, a lot a lot of these a lot of these you know super solid guys. And, uh, you know, they were the first ones out there doing the, the survival and the fast training. So we kind of got the benefit from that because of that personal relationship. Yeah. So we, we did some of those classes right here in, in district, uh, you know, whether it was in Monticello and, you know, the Rock Hill guys came and joined us or we went down to Camp Smith because that was functioning at the time. But, yeah, that, that, yeah it was the late 90s. I want to say 98, 99. Yeah, I think I think it was an interesting time in the fire service. A lot of things were changing then, yeah. uh, you know, and so on. Because I I joined in '95. I was never a junior fireman, so I joined at 18. In in '95, I joined, um, and uh, and so on. I just remember like, you know, um, hip boots were just going out, long coats were just going out. Um, you know, respiratory protection became an issue. Uh, fast team, right? All the tech stuff started happening. I mean, it was all hazmat was just becoming a thing. Like, you know, it was all this crazy shit going on. Um, it was an it, certainly an interesting time in the fire service. Yeah, it's funny. I, I tell guys about that era, you know, and uh, they don't get it now because, you know, they walk into the firehouse and as a brand new probie, we give them pretty decent gear, you know? Yeah. And, they, and then when they graduate firefighter one, we, you know, we get them measured and we hand them all this brand new, you know, beautiful turnout gear. And my first set of full turnout gear, like pants, boots, coat, my parents bought for me for like a birthday gift, you know, because the department wasn't, they weren't giving them out back then. Like when no. I first joined, I got three quarter hip boots and a long coat, you know, well, a freaking salad bowl helmet. Yeah, I remember your, stuff's like on having, the, your stuff's on the pipe rack in the back. That's yeah, cool. yeah. yeah. Young's, Youngsville's one engine used to have that whole rack of uh, boots and the coats were hanging off the side yeah. and, and, the, and yeah. the rail with the helmets. I mean, yeah. that, that was what my job was when I was, uh, when I was brand new. Is when you get to the fire, get up there so the old guys don't have to climb up and start tossing them gear if they need it. Yeah. Call out boot sizes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, a, I'll tell you a, funny, a funny thing about the fast team real quick. Uh, when the first we kind of started to assemble a fast team kind of approach. I remember um, going to a fire um, 
that the, that department called for the fast team and we showed up and they expected us to go fast into the fire. Like they didn't even know what fast team, the concept of it, you know, they thought we were some kind of like elite interior firefighters. <laughs> and, and that's it, fine. I, I'll yeah. take that over. I'll yeah. take that any day. Little did we know. Here. Get the hell out of my way. Let me show you how fast I am. You're right, right, right. That's you know funny. What, Jeremy, one thing I want to talk about when you know when you guys were talking to John about you know taking in that new probie in the in the career house. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know on the volu- on the volunteer side of things, and and I'm fortunate to see it from both sides, from the training side and from the from the officer side. You know, again, it, it goes back to um, the support system in the firehouse. We keep kind of circling back to this whole thing, you know, back to that accountability and back to the support system and back to the culture. So, you know, I know that, you know, if you, if you read publications and you listen, there's a constant topic about the decline of volunteerism in the fire service, you know, and lack of recruitment, lack of recruitment. Um, now, this year has been a bit of a challenge for us, as it's been a challenge for everybody, because, you know, we're not having meetings, we're not doing a lot of stuff because of, of COVID. But la- last year, out of the 12 months of the year, I think maybe there was one, maybe two months where we didn't take in at least, at least one or two new members right, right. Out, of, out of a 12-month year. And, and I, th- I think that comes back to you know, the culture of the organization, how you're promoting yourself and supporting those people. So, you know, like John mentioned, the mentorship program, putting on my other hat, the, 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 the recruits that come into the academy that are successful are the ones that have the support back at their stations. You know, the ones that come in and they're just kind of like shipped out there, like, here you go, bro, here's your gear, here's your stuff, be out at the training center Wednesday at seven o'clock, good luck, let us know when you're done. You know, they're not successful, you know, because they, they just don't have the support. They don't have the people to, to go back to, to, to you know, to, to teach them yeah. what they're being learned in the, in the mm-hmm. classroom. So, you know, again, it all keeps circling back to that, that culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, I, it was funny because like to kind of bring it to kind of like sum up the last few minutes, just cult everything to do with the foundation that's laid before we were just talking about the 90s that's when we came up through right and we think yeah. big change then and then you talk to the guys from the 80s and then the 70s and the 60s and then you talk to the kids today and and you know brian you said it you said you know now today hey we give the kid a brand new set of gear and blah, 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 blah. and i think part of that though too is the institution requires it right we we can't we can't play that audible card anymore right we can't Decision-making has to be done and not as we go. You know, I think part of getting your, your lumps when we were younger in the fire service, the system allowed for us to fall down by it, but it made us better. And now we're not allowed to let people fall down. Right. You know, they, can, they can fall down on little things. You know, and, and then we, we have to be there to help them back up, right? But, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, you know, holding people to that accountability of being responsible for themselves. Um, I think as an organization, it's important to let your probies fail. I think it's important to 
let them see the difference, let them see poor leadership and let them see good leadership. Let yeah. What a, what a well-oiled engine company and truck company does versus a shitty one. So, you know, in the volunteer service, I mean, shit, I don't know how your system runs, but you have the potential of running, you know, I could go second, third, fourth alarm to probably 10 different municipalities. And so you get to see the differences between your company and that other company. And you get to see the difference between their senior guys and our senior guys. And then they get to formulate that opinion. And, and more so now than ever, we're doing more mutual aid runs. We're doing more work with other departments. I have to think even on the career side now more than ever, there's more mutual aid happening than ever before, where a lot of departments used to be able to handle their own stuff. Now they don't have the manpower or they lack the initial alarm response if it's a confirmed job or they didn't want a second due truck and then you're a RIT team and a safety chief and accountability and all the rack unit. Like it just keeps going and going and going, right? So Working fire task force. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it just, you can title it, wrap it up, put yeah. it on the bow, like yeah, yeah. whatever you want to call it, but we're calling more and more resources. But what so I'm getting, we're getting more opportunity to perform now Maybe the fire volume's down, but there's still a lot of response. There's more responses now than ever, right? Um, yeah. and so on. So we, you want those kids to be there and be present so that they can see the form, fit, and function of all the other companies to compare. Um, I think it's important. And so let them formulate that opinion. And if you're worried about your younger guys formulating an opinion, then you better start looking at your own house and figure out why. And chances yeah. are it's because you're not oiled up, man. You're not ready to go, and you're not, you're not giving these kids a good foundation. I agree. I agree. And, and listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they need to understand this is it's it's a life. Or, it can be a life or death job. Right. My biggest my biggest fear with some of the training stuff is that, you know, are, is it being watered down too much? Are we babysitting too much? You know, like I understand you got to mentor and help people through. But when you know, when somebody's telling me I can't, I can't. OK, I, I'll listen to you. Tell me I can't once, maybe twice. You know, and I'll help you through. I'll do my best to keep helping you, to keep leading you in, in the right direction. But at, at the end of the day, you can't, again, it comes that, back to that personal accountability. You can't have that I can't attitude when you're doing this job because when, when, you're, when my life's on the line or somebody else's life's on the line, the last thing I want somebody doing is quitting, right? Yeah. Oh, so Listen, not everybody's cut out for this job. No, absolutely not. You know, you have, you have basketball players. Why? Because they're six foot eight. They practice, they do 500 free throws a day their whole life so that they're good. Right. Like yeah. they train and they're physically capable of doing that. I could never be a professional basketball player. I could train as hard as I want. I just couldn't do it. It just wouldn't happen because I don't have the physicality to do it. Right. The height and everything else. So like you have to be realistic too. And even in the fire, even in the volunteer fire service, like you have to be realistic about expectations of the individual and sometimes it's not I mean, there has to be that conversation too no Ab absolutely you know and and listen and it, and it, it that it ties into the individual it ties into the leadership some of these some of these leaders know when they send these guys out to accomplish a task that they know damn well they are never going to be able to accomplish right the only reason, and, and, I, and I, again, I say that as things I see in the instructional world, you know, you're, you're just, you don't want to do your job. You don't want to have that tough conversation by saying, 
look, bro, you might not be cut out for this right now. Let's, let's, you know, let's get some time in under your belt. Let's develop some of your skills. Then we'll send you off to be an interior firefighter. But no, they don't want to have that tough conversation. So they send them off to an instructor somewhere and they let them have that tough conversation with them, you know, when they can't do the skill. But then they don't. Right. Or the academy passes them, pushes them through, through, they send them back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was talking I was talking to Rob about this and you know, not to name anything, but there's there were proby schools that like for certain reasons they weren't teaching guys certain aspects mm -hmm. of the jobs. And so they're like, Well, your department will teach you when you come back and then you know, like what are we doing? What what type of culture and society are we putting forward? Right. John, I have to think with a year and a half hiring process, um, you get on there, I, I got to think Proby School is what twenty six weeks. You said twenty six weeks. Yep, yep. It's so legit, it's, man. It's, that's that's going to shake loose. That's going to shake yeah. loose the majority of the uh, the guys that aren't going to cut it. Yeah, no. There's there's plenty of opportunity to uh, figure out who who's going to make it and who is not. You know, this is not the right thing for them. You know, I, and I said this I think a little earlier. You know, with the application process, just in the volunteer side, is that you might think this is what you want to do or let's let's go down a different route Let, let's say your whole family was doing it and you were kind of pressured into doing it and you fill out the application you go through the process you now are a member and it's not for you and and now you're pressured from family you know what do you mean you want to quit or why are you going there on Thursday right. night for a drill right. or yeah. you know you haven't gone to the last six calls what what's going on so I mean the the, the, the bottom line is you it's either you're and I again you're either all in or you're not in mm -hmm. and there's no there's no middle ground I mean and unfortunately not everybody is cut out for being a firefighter I mean it, that's the bottom line um, the nice thing is you know, in the fire service, especially on the volunteer side, there might be other things that you can do to contribute back to the community or back to the fire service. Um, so there are other, other um, you know, avenues to kind of go down. Um, and like, I think you guys are all saying that, that, that tough, hard conversation might need to be had or you, um, you're able to get your message to them and they kind of just come back to you and have that conversation you thought you needed to have with them. They manned up and said, you know what, I, this isn't for me. And, yeah. and then, you know, you got to figure out, okay, well, are you, is it a time commitment thing? Cause I mean, we always talk about, especially on the volunteer side, you know, commitment of time is, is, it's huge. I mean, the requirements to just stay as an active member is probably increasing, you know, um, yearly. So that also, be, you know, is a contributing factor maybe on somebody. It might, it might be, it might be, I, I just, you know, this Joe Blow is, uh, he hasn't showed up to the last five drills. Well, let's talk to him. Well, nobody has talked to him. Let's send him a letter. Well, here's the thing. And I'm a firm believer. Email is great. Letters are great, and they're all paper trails, but at the end of the day, a face-to-face -face conversation speaks volumes. All yep. day long. Yep. yep. All day long. And that's that, and that's that accountability. That's the, that's the willingness to be able to put yourself in that position to confront an individual and have a conversation. And like we, like we said, I mean, you know, that is, that is missing now more than ever. 
And, uh, and I think we have an obligation. If we want to see our fire companies succeed, if we want to see the fire service trend in the right way, we can't allow ourselves to go to mediocrity. We can't allow ourselves not to be men anymore. And, and you know, as sexist or chauvinistic as that might sound, I mean it in, in a representation that, you know, you have to be, this is a job that can kill you. This is a job that you are going to bleed. You're going to get smoke inhalation. You're going to cut yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to break something. And you know what? You're going to see tragedy. And that takes a certain type of individual. And that type of individual also typically is the type of person that can confront issues and, and you know, do right and wrong and, and know or know right and wrong and correct wrong to make it right. And I think that's important. And I think now more than ever, we need to hold people accountable and we need to have the right type of people in this industry leading the way um, and leading that charge. I truly believe in that. Listen, you never know who's walking in the door, right? I mean, we just, we started off the conversation. You're talking to two guys with no, fa no family, no real family background in the fire service that just happened to walk into a vol volunteer station one day. And, you know, here's one guy that's, you know, was a volunteer for years and now has been on the job as a career fireman for, you know, almost coming on 20 years, you know, and another guy that's been doing it for 30 years, you know, so you never know who's going to walk in that door, you know, that, that yeah. could be around for, for, for a long, long time, you know. I agree. So listen, we've been going, we've been going a while. I mean, we've been hitting this pretty hard. Um, what else? Any, anything else? We, I want to start kind of wrapping. We've been going for like an hour and a half. So, you know, um, it goes quick, I know, and, uh, and so on. But, you know, I'm just curious, you know, you guys are, you know, you, you have the same foundation and then you parted ways and, and John, you chased your career down south and Brian, you, you stayed uh, at home and, uh, and you're kicking ass. And you guys are just both bring so much value to the fire service. And again, I think tonight the real topic is the foundation, right? What it's doing, what we bring to that foundation, that brick we add, and then what that foundation does for stability for us as individuals um, and so on. And so I just, I thank you guys for being on tonight. I mean, I think it was, I think we hit on some really deep stuff tonight. Um, and I, it's definitely topics that everybody is dealing with across the country in the fire service, whether career or volunteer, issues that are happening in every single kitchen and every single firehouse. These are conversations that are happening uh, more and more. And when, when I keep seeing on Instagram, all these like 30 plus year guys retiring out of like the FDNY and so on, you have to think like, I always take a second, read his name. And, and I always have to think about like, man, like 35 years in, in retiring in a job like that. And, you know, you're talking three over three and a half decades of service Imagine the change in people they've seen. Imagine yeah. the, the type of people they started the job with and the people they're ending the job with. And if anybody should have an opinion on it, it's guys like that, right? And so, you know, I just, I value that. And I think that everybody should recognize that and understand that everybody has a different background and everybody has something else to bring to the table. And, and when you bring it to the fire service, you got to leave the damage behind and you got to put go in a hundred percent. You got to put yourself in a hundred percent to this institution because this institution will take care of you. if You take care of it. And I, I, I just, I can't believe that any more than, than I do. Um, but anyway, John, any last comments, thoughts, ideas, concerns, topics we didn't hit that you want to spend another hour and a half on? <laughs> no, no, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I want to honestly thank 
thank you. I'm honored to be on here. I'm, uh, you know, the message of, of getting out there that, you know, the fire service is still here. It's going to be here um, yeah. for, for decades and decades. And really, if you're out there, you're listening to this and you're down and out and you feel like, you know, your, your fire house, your, your department, you know, whatever the case may be, you, you're just, you're kind of spiraling in a, in a direction where you feel like, you know what, this isn't where it was. Well, you can effectively make that change, right? We, we talk about, we talk about how that, that negativity is kind of, um, could, could basically take over, right? But at the same time, being positive and, and, and showing, you know, the other folks that are, that are in that firehouse, you know, listen, man, take your negativity and take it somewhere else, right? We need to be positive. We need to keep marching forward. We need to have the mission. And the mission is to always care about you, yourself, and the public. And if you keep that in mind, only good things are going to occur. Great. Well said. Very well said. And I'll tell you now more than ever, man, we get, and Brian, I'm sure you're getting it too on your platform, but man, do we have people reaching out every single day asking for advice on how to deal with just that topic alone, John. And uh, we could spend a whole night just talking about that. Um, but you brought up some very good points there. Thank you. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Brian, how about yourself? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, John, John ended it really, really well. I, I mean, and, and like you just said, Jeremy, I, I hear from people all the time now that are finding challenges in the volunteer fire service, whether, you know, it's organizational challenges or they don't feel that they have the opportunity to advance or, or they don't like the culture. You know, I mean, my, my biggest advice, the biggest advice I could give to somebody is, you know, don't let somebody else um, destroy your love of the job. You, you know, if this is something that you enjoy and it, it fulfills you in, in some way, don't let somebody else take that away from you. Don't let an organization take that away from you. If, you know, do your best to, to make the changes that you can make and um, work hard at it. And, you know, if you got to make hard decisions and, and make a move in your career, well, then make a move in your career. But if, 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 if you have passion for this, um, we want people like that in the, in, in, the, in the fire service. I don't care where in the, in the fire service it is. Those are the people that we want. Don't let somebody else destroy that passion. Amen. I agree. And just, just hit on real quick your podcast again, please. Tell, give us where they can find you and, and what you're doing and so on about your platform, please. Appreciate it. So it's, yeah. uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's at Professional Volunteer. Um, you can find me on YouTube also. You just got to search the, profession, the Professional Volunteer and, and look for my logo. Um, you know, I'm just trying to spread, spread the message of professionalism in, in the volunteer fire service and a lot of the things that we just touched on. I think I'm 22 episodes in. I've had some phenomenal guests from all over the country that bring a lot of different um, um, views to the table on, on some of these things. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just honored that people listen to me. <laughs> you know, I really am. I, awesome. Just, well, you, you're sharing a great message, and uh, and you know, and I think we need more people like you out there that uh, want to lead the charge and try to help shape and better the institution that uh, we're all part of. So I thank you for being on tonight and being a guest. And John, much success down in Fairfax, brother. Stay safe. 
And uh, I absolutely appreciate you taking time out on your vacation to be on with us tonight. Yeah, thank you. It means the world. I'm sorry about the argument you'll have with your wife later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I mean, I thank both of you guys very, very much. And for what Rob and I are doing, um, you know, it's, it's meeting guys like you. I mean, obviously you have a, a past with Rob, but for myself tonight, sitting here and getting to know your stories a little bit, uh, I'm looking forward to when our paths cross and, and we can, you know, have a cold one and, and you know, really just shake hands and, and be brothers. And, and that's what I think this is all about. Um, and I can't stress that enough. I, I enjoy every opportunity we get to do something like this. Uh, and so that's my selfish plug for myself. And I think Rob has the same feeling is that, you know, what I get to take away from experiences like this tonight, I wish everybody could take away. And so, um, you know, just the message shared tonight and the, the commonality of the conversation uh, goes a very long way. So, gentlemen, thanks for being here tonight with us. Listen, I just want to say, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, motivates guys like myself and I'm sure guys like John to get out there and, and talk, you know. So, you know, <laughs> you're setting a good platform. And, and listen, I, thanks for having me on. And we're going to get you up to look at that Rosenbauer when uh, things are all uh, – We'll get it done. I see your hat there. So listen, I'm listen, I'm in. I'm in road trip. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So anyway, Robert, another good night, pal. Yeah, yeah. Thank you both for being on. It, it meant a lot to me, especially having you uh, like getting to watch you too as 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 a young firefighter and a young EMT, and having John come as my medic a couple times out in Jeffersonville and in Monticello. So it, it, like, thank thank you so much for for doing this tonight. So. You got it. Thank, Thank you. you I, I, again, just like uh, Brian said, you know, I've, I'm very much honored and, and thankful that I had the opportunity to talk. So, um, thank you. It's a, the 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 um, it's a blessing to get a message out to the fire service because the fire service, to me, is the backbone of the United States. And oh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, keep plugging out there, doing the right thing, and um, you know. Go out there and do what is right for the community. Awesome. And on that, we're wrapping. Guys, thanks for tuning in tonight on another episode um, with Brian Stoller and John Stern, two incredible guests tonight. Uh, we hit on some great topics. And uh, to sit here and share uh, just a conversation with brothers is what this is all about. So I thank everybody for tuning in and checking us out. Um, as always, for Rob and myself, Take care, be safe. We'll see you at the next one.